Hey everybody, welcome to the Full Frame uh, Podcast. Just, just, oh. uh, just uh, take, stop and take it from the top. Okay, okay, you ready? Hey guys, welcome to the Full Frame Podcast. This week I sat down with writer-producer-director Flavio Alves. He was kind enough to invite me to his new apartment in Queens literally hours after he moved in. Um, we just had a quick chat, but he, he's a really busy guy, just got back from a festival in Seattle and is on his way to another to promote his new film, The Garden Left Behind, which by the way, won the audience award at South by Southwest this year. It was a great conversation. He has a fascinating story. So, um, here's my conversation with Flavio. Flavio, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Nice being here. Glad to have you. Um, so I came out to, this is where Queen's Pictures LLC is based, correct? Yes, that's right. Great. So um, let's start at the beginning. Um, you know, uh, you're from Brazil, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. When did you come to the States? I came to the U.S. in 1998. 1998? I'm sorry, I came to the U.S. in 1997. 97? But I was granted political asylum in 1998. So tell me about how that happened. Well, um, in... I wrote a book in Brazil about the gays in the military mm-hmm. and, um, in 1997. And right after that, I was advised to leave the country. Mm. Um, so I, they brought me to JFK. They left me there. And, then, uh, and they said, good luck. And uh, wow. so that's how I came to the U.S. It was not like a, an option. Mm-hmm. No. And um, Jesus brought me here. The go- that was the government. You know? Mm-hmm. They brought me here. They left me in the JFK. That was 1997. And, uh, and it took me about a year now to put my kids together and uh, get political asylum based on political opinion and sexual orientation. Wow. So then w- what is the process for that, um, first of all? And, and before we get into how you started getting into filmmaking, uh, w- what was that like? What was it like to try and get your case together? It was all about testing the uh, the water because of, at that point, very few people had granted political asylum based on sexual orientation. Wow. So for me, it was just trying to find out how it would work in my favor, you know? Because um, most people came to the U.S. Uh, as a refugee uh, seeking asylum based on uh, political opinion or religion or nationality, you know? Um, sexual orientation, uh, persecution based on sexual orientation was something new that uh, mm. um, very few people had took that uh, route, you know. And then, um, so that's why it took a long time um, for me to put my case together, find an attorney. And uh, I got a pro bono lawyer because at that point I could not af- afford an, an, a lawyer. That's great. And um, an immigration lawyer. So, uh, City College of New York, CUNY, mm-hmm. and now law school, took my case, and uh, as I said, took about a year, and uh, my case was granted. And do you know if your case has become precedent for other cases? No, we had other cases before uh, my case, um, maybe two or three more. Okay. I know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many known, but a very few, two or three known before me. Mm-hmm. And and what's the situation there now in Brazil? Is it, has have things changed at all, or 
um, are they still um, discriminating against? Um, it's very difficult to explain now uh, because uh, in Brazil, although we have 3 million people attending the gay parade in Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the problem with Brazil is that uh, persecution uh, usually takes place outside the, the legal framework. Mm. And um, so that means if something happens to you, you don't have the state on your side. You now, although the law is supposed to protect you. Mm. So if you go to the police to report a case of abuse or persecution of act of violence, you might face further persecution. Mm-hmm. So we don't go to the police like... A, a, the police is not that to protect you as it is to protect... Uh, uh, citizens in the US and um, and um, you only go to the police and there is a case of murder or something you know something really bad you know wow. and um, that's the problem you know? and uh, but now we, uh, the situation uh, got a little worse because we just happened to have a president who happened to be a homophobe and now um, mm-hmm. bolsonaro is known for uh, being anti-gay you know um, and uh, and that by having a president who thinks that way, it might give a blank check to people to commit act, acts of, of um, perpetrators to commit acts of violence against uh, the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Well, um, what what was your first after you got here? After you were granted asylum, um, what was your first step into being in the states? What did you do? Well, the first three years, three or four years was um, it was very difficult because, um, okay, I had my papers, but uh, I have the problem with the language, you know, so I have to address that, you know, going to school to learn the language um, was the first barrier I had because I, in the meantime, that I want to learn the language, I still had to work and I had to lo- work long hours to be able to to survive, to pay the bills, you know, and then on the top of that, I still had to go to school and learn the language, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, took me about three years um, to be able to to learn the language and be able to uh, uh, find a better jobs, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, it took about three or four years. Then I... I was I got a scholarship from Columbia University, um, and that changed a lot because while I was at Columbia, I I found a job at the pop, the library, the Columbia Library, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was not paying well, but uh, but um, but at least I was able to pay my you know pay the basic bills, you know, the basic expenses, and 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 then so when I f- finished uh, school. Um, I was I did internship with uh, Anthony Winner, the congressman Anthony Winner. Oh, okay. And uh, after that, he hired me, and uh, and after that, I went to work for Hillary, Hillary Clinton. So and what my were, what were you doing for them? I for both of them, I was working with immigration and foreign affairs. Okay. Um, because I'm. I'm Latino, so mm-hmm. I sort of speak Spanish because my first language is Portuguese. Portuguese. But uh, no, but um, if you speak Portuguese, you can, you are no, 
similar? Yeah, similar. You can get away, get by, you, mm -hmm. you know, with Spanish, you know. Um, and then after, you know, and I also work with LGBTQ issues in mm -hmm. the office, you know, um, doing their websites, you know, and I did all kinds of work uh, for them, you know. That's and, great. Um, it was a, it was a great experience work for both of them and uh, also my major was in political science at school you know so wow okay yeah and um did you choose that to then have a career in politics it was it was my dream um to uh actually run for political office in the US mm -hmm. you know and um I, I was attracted to um uh political science because um uh I was attracted to the dream that I could make a difference in people's life. Absolutely. And, now, and by uh, uh, working and learning you know, what it means to be a politician, you know, and um, it would eventually help me to get to the point that I would you know, I'll be running for political office and you know, mm -hmm. city council. You know. So that was my, um, my initial goal, you know, obviously. You know, Along the way, things has changed. You know? mm -hmm. I still think that the political science was the best thing that happened to me, the best, the best investment in my career, filmmaking career, just so you know. Interesting. You no, know? because it, it, is, it gave me the foundation that I stand on as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. So it was, it, it was, I would have done that again, again. Um, no, I think every filmmaker should. Um, should have some knowledge in politics hmm. and uh, how it works. I, they would be better filmmakers. Do you feel that that um, finds its way into your films now? All your all your political background. Uh, while I was in college, I was exploring different things, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I was just finding my way. I even tried to. I was even considering going to law school, which I, of course, now once I took the first class, I decided that it was <laughs> not for me. You know? Sure. Um, so when I took my first class in film, um, I was amazed how much um, I liked it, and I didn't find with uh, you know um, with it, you know, and the environment and the uh, other students as well, you know, and. Uh, uh, it was a great experience, but uh, I also took an acting class, two acting classes, which, by mm -hmm. the way, I got A+. Plus, oh, really? So watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, um, I, I consider myself to be a, a good actor, and mm -hmm. um, I liked it. I just don't see me doing it for a living. And, um, um, but I think every director should at least take one class in mm -hmm. acting. Uh, to be able to speak the same language, you know, it's uh, absolutely to be to be able to have that intelligent conversation with your actor, you know, and uh, and help them, and uh, so that uh, he or she can help you, you know, as mm -hmm. a return. So it was um, it was an interesting. I loved it, you know, and um, it was an interesting ride, you know, and I'm glad that uh, I took that class. It helped me so much in my filmmaking career. So did you take that class when you were at Columbia studying political yes. science? You did? Yes, I and did. And so did that eventually lead you to think, well, to I would love to have a career in film? Yes, it definitely, did. definitely, because I found other people who also became filmmakers. Mm -hmm. Because um, 
now with uh, equipments equipment getting cheaper mm-hmm. and now anyone can direct their own stories now i saw and i see today a bunch of actors uh who can't uh get gigs you know as actors like uh you know shooting short films and uh and uh, direct their own material and acting in their films you know and uh, mm-hmm. so it's uh it's uh interesting you know and um filmmaking as we speak you know the landscape's shifting as we speak you know mm-hmm. and uh it's um it's it's incredible uh it's a process you know and for those who want to be in charge of of their own narratives or um maybe not maybe you just have a story that you always want to see in a big screen and you think that you're the right person to do it and uh and today you can do it you know? totally so so you went to NYU correct i went to columbia for, I went to Columbia for my undergraduate. Then I went to um, actually I went to three film schools. Wow! I went to I went to Harvard uh, summer uh, f- uh, film class. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, this was a summer about two months, uh, eight weeks of uh, uh, filmmaking intensive. Wow! Then I, I went to NYU for uh, continued education. It's like a sem- whole semester. In filmmaking, I know. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, and uh, then after that, I went to uh, City College for my MFA. Okay, in you know? film. In film. Wow. So, what what were some of the biggest lessons you learned, or was it mostly just technical and things like that? Well, every film I make, you are learning something. Definitely. If you make a film. And they don't learn, and now you're not making a film because, and I like the idea also that every film brings a sort of a challenge, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it helps me as a filmmaker, um, so that I can become better. Now by facing those challenges and uh, every challenge I face, it uh, helps me to move forward with my career. And uh, I don't do a film because it's easy, you know. Um, I do a film because it's complex. It's uh, challenges me, you know, and mm-hmm. that's why um, those are the type of stories that uh, uh, I, I like. The type of stories I like to tell, you know, and uh, and uh, as I said, I love the I love the challenges, you know. And, uh, yeah, but uh, to your question, you know, first, uh, yeah, I um, um, I went to all those schools um, because I was trying to I was trying to test the word. I was like, uh, you know. Uh, and actually, I was working for Anthony Winner when I went to. I took a class at NYU for continued education mm-hmm. because I thought that um, by having the basics and the very basic in film, you know, and uh, how to shoot, how to tell a story, how, and uh, and the editing, all that, I would be able to actually help him in his campaign with his own material with mm-hmm. his own videos that uh, we could post on YouTube and I could have everywhere. And then when I got there, then I realized, you know something, with all that equipment here, I could actually make a film, mm-hmm. no, no? And uh, you are also surrounded by people who are storytellers who want to, who want to uh, have pro- other projects, who have done other things you know, previously, you know, and uh, you, by hanging out with them, you uh, know, you, um, 
you learn so much, you know, and uh, and that's how I I realized that's that's when I realized that you know something I I can do for I can do it I do it for a living. Mm -hmm. I and um, it was not overnight. It took me it took me about uh, 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 took me about a year to that for that uh, manifest. Yeah, manifest. You know, you know, and. Uh, was not right away, you know. Mm -hmm. As I said, it was just like uh, I was trying to. Um, all those classes they only helped me to enrich and um, um, to empower me. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, what were some of the first stories that did manifest that you wanted to make? What were some of the shorts that you made while you were uh, doing school? Well, uh, I I have been a gay advocate my entire life, and I, I really believe that. Uh, um, there are a lot of misunderstanding about uh, what it means to be uh, um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender people, you know, and uh, and um, I like to explore, uh, bring to the big screens the stories of people who have been marginalized or, or overlooked, you know, uh, and then I thought, like, uh, no better person myself, you know, as a gay man, a refugee, a Latino, and all the things that come, and that uh, things that come with it, you know, uh, uh, to bring those stories to the forefront, you know, and um, that's mm -hmm. how I decide. That's why I decided to tell stories that uh, reflect my experience, but also experience of uh, other marginalized, marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. So post um, your your MFA, yes. Uh, what was your first foray into filmmaking? Um, uh, and when was that? What what about year did you graduate with the MFA? Two thousand and fourteen. Okay. And yeah, two thousand and fourteen. So about five years ago. About five years ago. So what have the past five years looked like for you? Where did you start? Well, but before that, I before my MFA, mm -hmm. which I started in 2011, you know, before my MFA, I did order a bunch of other short films, mm -hmm. and also I worked as a producer, helping other people to make short and also feature films, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, the reason why I decided to, you know, to go and I get my MFA is because I. I also like the idea of I could I could teach, you know, definitely. And uh, because before I got my MFA, I was traveling everywhere, talk about not only my films, but my experience in, in making my films as a director, but also as a producer. I was in different panels everywhere in the country, you know. And um, then I thought, like, I really like it. I really like that idea that it can help other people mm -hmm. um, bring. Uh, their stories to uh, the big screen. And then I thought, like, I, I think I can do that for a living, you know? So, but also having MFA uh, is a good way of uh, connecting with other people. Definitely. And uh, I was thinking about the possibilities that, you know, many doors it could open. And then, um, um, yes. But again, I started working in film in, in, uh, about 12 years ago, in 2007. That's when I took my first uh, class at uh, Harvard. Uh, it was a summer class, you know, which was in 2007. 
And um, from 2007, 2014, and uh, now, I, as I said, I did many short films and uh, uh, produced uh, short and feature films. And that's how I got uh, uh, all the experience I have today. So what is the distinction for you between producing and making your own films? How do you find uh, collaborators to produce with? And uh, how do you foster those stories? Well, first, I realized... It's a big question. No, no, it's not. It's just like uh, uh, I helped... I I realized that I had something to offer to other people. And and then I was very happy to help them, especially when things come to fundraising. Hmm. I'm a beast when things come to fundraising, which is so crucial, Hmm. you know? And um, yeah, be- beast is an understatement. I think. <laughs> yeah, I I'm very good, like as because I w- I came from a background that uh, it's being a f- you know having that skill is crucial, you know mm-hmm. politics, you know, and uh, so and I became very good in helping, you know, work with Hillary, working with uh, Anthony Weiner, and with fundraising, and um, I'm very good with social media. Mm. Um, and uh, building audiences, you know. So all those things, those things, uh, I knew I had that. I, I had, uh, uh, I was very good at. But uh, I didn't have much experience in, in directing. So I thought, like, okay, I can help that director, you know, with bringing all my skills and help the director to achieve his goal. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, I learned with him or her, you know. Uh, the techniques of uh, what's needed to be a good director. So I work with different directors. If you see my MDB that I, I before I became a director and before I shot my first, even before I shot my shot my first short film, mm-hmm. I worked with uh, other directors and uh, I was learning little by little uh, on uh, on how to become a good director and that uh, you know helped me so much. Um, to you know, work with actors and uh, working with crew, you know, uh, casting crew and uh, you know, and uh, casting uh, work with cast and the crew, and uh, yes. Uh, so again, it was good for me because I learned from them, but also was good for them. It was two way street. What were some? Are there any uh, important lessons that you still take with you to set that you learned from other directors? Just broad strokes. Kind yeah, of it's uh, um, every director. You learn some. You learn something from every director. Every director brings something to the table, mm-hmm. different experience. That um, I try to, you know, um, imitate. <laughs> sure. You know, because um, for example, working with Doug Carr. Now the director of Art Machine, he has a tremendous background in uh, doing commercials. Okay. So he has a good handle with camera, you know, and um, actors, and uh, is a tra- he's an incredible storyteller, you know. And um, working with the Kevin St- uh, Stockling is you learn a lot. Of his you know. Um, he is a master in preparation, you know. Hmm. So all those things are 
so important when you're making a film, you know, and um, um, some of them bring discipline, you know, on, on how to handle uh, cast and crew, you know, budget, you know, uh, how to get your film um, done on time, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. everyone has different specific strategy to get it done. And, uh, and uh, I watch all those little things, you know, and that's, uh, um, has been very helpful, you know, and, uh, in my career as a filmmaker. What do you think, uh, do you, what do you think you've imparted into directing yourself? Like, what do you think your skills that you bring to the table uh, most prominent are? Engaging audience and fundraising. Okay. I think this is, as I can't emphasize that enough. People don't understand the importance of that. And people, people filmmakers are, um, make a mistake to, they sometimes think too much about the art. They mm. forget that it's more business than art. You know, it's show business, you know. Sure, yeah. And, um, um, yes, I want to have, a, you know, my actors in the night in the frame. I want to make sure that uh, cinematography looks good. You know, the film looks looks good. But um, what brought me here? You know, what made me a successful filmmaker is the fact that I'm very good in selling my product. Mm -hmm. I'm very good in audience engagement. You know, all my screens. Uh, especially in New York and LA, get you know, packed. You now I have uh, two hundred and forty thousand followers on my social media pages. Wow! And um, and um, and that takes a long time. Definitely. You no, know, I work every day. Spend one hour at least of my time. You no, know, I dedicate to my social media pages. Hmm. Engaging my audience on social media pages is is, is very important to me. Um, and that's why when I have screenings in New York, when I have screenings in LA, I'm always able to pack the room and, uh, and whatever I want to get is either I'm looking for a location mm -hmm. or looking for people to donate money to my films. I go to my people, I go to social media pages and, and, uh, and that's how I find results. And um, um, so most people struggle with, most filmmakers struggle, they struggle with that. Um, um, that's Definitely very important. Definitely, we do. <laughs> no, yeah, filmmaking, uh, fundraising, especially. It's um, I have I always have a strategy on on to get the money, you know, that I need to shoot my films. Mm -hmm. It's either uh, um, grants, sponsors, product placement, tax credit, donors, and um, all those things become part of uh, the. Uh, chart pie that I draw mm -hmm. in the very beginning, crowdfunding as well, yeah. you know? So, and uh, I never I never start a, thi a film thinking about, uh, oh, I'm gonna make this film because I have uh, one investor, right. you know? And that's my strategy to make uh, my film. No, I have a bunch of uh, you know, other things that are different, I take different fronts when things comes to uh, fundraising. Mm. And um, so I bring, I bring my team on board and I say, okay, you, you, you gonna be writing uh, 
grants, you know, to foundations and the, that you know, let's try to mm -hmm. get grants for the film. You and you, new, let's work on a strategy for um, sponsors or product placement for the film, and uh, and uh, you, 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 you know, let's work on a you know, on a, um, on the crowdfunding campaign. You know, so we have different people doing different things, and uh, and as the key is to to it you know success of the you know is to make sure that you have the right people doing the right things absolutely because you might you don't want to get someone who hates writing you know for grants you know requesting grants to do that be in charge of that work right you have to get people who actually are very good at you know you know or usually people that I worked with them before and uh, uh, because I have my little monsters, the, the guys that I'll teach them how to do it. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to become a filmmaker, you want to work with me, you know, and uh, I'm okay with uh, showing you how I do it. In mm -hmm. return, you're going to help me to make my film. Yeah. And uh, so, again, it's just like uh, I scratch your back, I scratch mine. So I, I will show you how, I, how to apply for grants and what to say, what they're looking for, and... Um, and um, and then you help me with uh, with that, you know. And um, my hope is that eventually you're gonna also learn the techniques that I have, you know, applied for years, mm -hmm. so that you can eventually go out and do your own films. Yeah, that's great producing. Yes, yes, you know. And then um, so I have different people doing different things, and uh, at the end, some balls will be dropped, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, there will be some disappointments, you know, because sometimes I think like, oh, this year I'm expecting to get uh, 15%, 15% uh, from sponsors. But it depends also, it's not only, uh, sometimes it's, I can't blame the person who is helping with it, mm -hmm. because sometimes is the subject that we address at that point. For example, this film now that we are, you know, my new film, it's about uh, Mexican trans woman. So, because it's a very sensitive subject, um, it becomes a little difficult to get sponsors on board. Interesting. No? Even, even with advocate groups and with... Yeah, okay. it became, became... We got a lot of support. Don't take me wrong. It right. was incredible. I don't regret I did it. We had lots of uh, supporters, you know, starting with GLAD, you know, with uh, PFLAG, you know, and so many LGBTQ organizations. That's great. But I don't think it comes to, like, uh, sponsors giving throwing money at us. Yeah. It became, like, um, you know, it was like, a, you know, became a little tough, you know. But on the other hand, we, we surpassed the amount of grants, hmm. you know. So... We initially had like our goal was to get uh, um, uh, twenty percent, you know, grants, you know, and we got twenty five percent. Great, almost actually almost thirty percent. Wow, in grants, so it was huge. We were not expecting that. So sometimes um, it's you, about pivoting. Yeah, and uh, some of you no know, you no, know, it depends on the film, depends on many factors, you know, and. Um, but at the end, you know, and uh, uh, we were able to get the money that we wanted to raise, you know. Um, 
What, well, and we can talk about this in a bit, but uh, about how much uh, were you able to raise for, this is for the Garden Left Behind? Yeah. Okay, about how much were you were We you raised for? about 300K. Okay. I know. And um, for the film, and uh, but uh, also another $100,000 we got into uh, in kind. So the total budget was, was $400,000. Mm -hmm. $100,000 will you pay once the film, no. Is shot. Is no once we sell sell the film. Oh, once you sell. Yeah, because for example, uh, I don't want to mention names here, but uh, and, um, I would say thirty percent of the our crew um, uh, work on kind in kind. You know, okay. so they will pay get paid after the film is mm, sold. Okay. You know, and uh, it's a risk for everyone. You know, of course. and uh, uh, but it's a risk for me. You know, and uh, for everyone involved. You know, but. Um, but if you want to be part of uh, an awesome film, that's how I sell it. You mm -hmm. know? If you want to work with me, if you believe in the story, you know, and uh, please join us. You know? and, uh, and that goes for everyone, actors, you know, crew, everyone invo involved in the process. You know? That's great. Well, um, uh, tell me a little bit about how The Garden Left Behind came about. Um, y you're a writer on it as well as um, producer and director. So um, is it solely your idea? Did somebody pitch it to you? Did you champion it? How, how did it all come about? Usually for every film I make is I have um, the first outline mm -hmm. and um, with the major plots, which sometimes change, you know, which is normal. Of course. And, um, um, and I bring a screenwriter on board and that person helps me to shape that story, you know. And um, and it usually takes it usually it usually takes about a uh, um, year or so to get the story, you know, together. And I'll tell you why. Because the way we did this film was very unusual. You know, we took a different path. You now okay. it was not an usual, unusual, uh, usual, usual process. Because we decided because of uh, the theme that we decide to you know to um, write uh, was about a, um, about a trans woman and now although I am a gay man now doesn't mean that uh, now I'm entitled to write a story you know I, now and the reason why mm -hmm. I don't think I, I was is you know is because uh, there are some limitations in terms of knowledge you know and my own experience so I didn't mm -hmm. want to um, in order to get something right, you have to make sure that this, everyone is on the table. You know? So my first, uh, no, uh, the first thing we have to do after I found my screenwriter is uh, John Rotondo, the screenwriter. And the John and I, we went to different trans organizations. Hmm. And we started talking about the film. And uh, started, we interviewed hundreds of uh, uh uh, trans men and trans women, uh, advocates, uh, healthcare professionals, uh, all kinds of people uh, that uh, have been part of their lives. Mm -hmm. So not just mem members of the trans community, but also all people surround them, even family members. So, and then uh, we spent about six months um, doing it. And then uh, we felt comfortable after that to based on all those interviews to start writing uh, 
the script and uh, we used the interviews as sort of a template for the dialogue oh now. interesting and uh, because the idea uh, is to make something that was authentic it felt you know that feels like real no? mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I uh, that's how we, we did it and uh, and also there is another point there in doing it you now not only we are doing the right thing you know and then because uh, by work with them we um, um, we are making sure that their story you know is authentic but also uh, our hope is that uh, they will um, by work with them you know it will translate into having their support it's authentic no yeah and uh, having them work with us in promoting the film as well you know, because you know mm-hmm. they start work work with us from the very beginning and mm-hmm. then they felt that they are part of it definitely and uh, they invested in the story you know mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, that's how we uh, that's how we made this film mm-hmm. and uh, again it took a long time but I don't regret because uh, I don't know what would that story would be if I had not done that. Mm-hmm. It would be a totally different story because we have so many bias, you know? And I'm embarrassed to say that because um, um, I should know better as uh, I, have a, I had a, a trans uh, woman who was a friend of mine, you know? And I, I, I thought I knew you know, all about their lives. And, uh, you know? So if I had not, done that research, uh, the film would be different and, uh, and it would not feel lot, uh, as authentic as it is now. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the big things that uh, you took into the film that people were saying to you? Where, what, 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 how were you enlightened? Uh, I was challenged a lot okay. by working with them because they not only work with me as consultants, um, but also they became, some of them became producers in my film because they're so wow. good. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, uh, I want to invite Christian Parker to work with me. I will, you know, and uh, then we brought Devin, then we brought so many, you know, trans men and trans women to work with us behind the camera. So again, it was not just like uh, going to them, interviewing them, but also bring them to actually wor- work with you on set. Mm-hmm. Because I thought like, uh, Okay, what if if they come on set? Because they all have stories and uh, incredible stories, but they don't have the skills in you know making a film, you know. And um, and I was like, what if if I invite them to come to work with me, so uh, so that eventually they will be in charge uh, or in the creation of their own narratives, mm-hmm. and uh, and they love the story, the the idea of uh, being part of it, you know, and. Uh, working as a, as producers in the film um and that's uh and but by having them on set and work with you also uh you can't avoid uh, the fact that they will challenge you and uh and i'm glad they did mm-hmm. you know for example no yeah please flavio i think you should all the trans roles should be played by real trans woman or trans man okay for me it was like huh what do I mean? Uh, what can I? Do? How I? Yeah, I want to do it, but, uh, but what can I find actors? Yeah, it seems. My mind was like, uh, uh, when I want to work with actors, I, I want to see a pool of actors I can choose from, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and uh, where can I find, for example, my main character, Tina? 
and uh, she has to be young, she has to be beautiful, she has to be so many things that uh, I know, and uh, she had to be in an initial, an initial stage of transitioning because the, the story is about this woman who wants to become a now who, who wants to become a woman. She's becoming a woman, you know? So she's, she's transitioning. And um, so, and uh, she has to be, uh, she could not uh, be like, uh, she could not have gone through the transition. You know, you see my point? Well, and uh, it, was she reluctant um, was she reluctant because maybe she didn't want to be in a film uh, until after the transition? Was that like a sensitive, um, like timing thing for her? No, 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 no. My the challenge was to find someone who was in the early stage so that physically mm -hmm. they they will appear so right. You know, because we had um, about two hundred uh, trans women, trans men who came for auditions. You know. And uh, which I thought would be impossible because I never mm. know because I like uh, where can I find them? So that was my first challenge. But uh, once um, uh, we had to have someone who, uh, who was not like uh, ha who had not gone through the full transition with the right. breasts and uh, you know and uh, otherwise no one would believe in the story. Mm -hmm. Again, the story is about the woman who is start the transition. You know. Mm -hmm. So, and she had to be young, has to, so many, you know, had to be good actors, of course, obviously, you know. <laughs> so, we, um, we, uh, Kristen and Devin, um, our producers, they went to different organizations, different, you know, um, uh, trans, um, in the LGBT organizations, and they invited all, everyone to come for an audition. <laughs> so, what I'm saying is that, uh, they, they are not act professional actors. Oh. And some of them have never acted before, never appeared in front of a camera before. Okay. And those are the type of people that we had for our auditions. You know? and, uh, yeah. Was it important to you to find a good supporting cast who were a little bit more seasoned? Did that help you at all? Or what other ways did you help get them to become your actors at that point i was not looking for someone with experience it was more like uh, okay this film has to be authentic film. life experience no life experience and okay. they, because it's so about playing themselves also sure know? it was like uh, okay you're playing yourself so it should not be you know um should not be hard you know um but the only thing is that uh, when you have uh if you work with professional actors you know they have the skills and the the um, they know how to access emotions. You now, when you work with actors, although they are playing themselves, and they might not uh, have the trick, you know those little tricks that uh, helps them to uh, know. And uh, let's say now you have to cry, now you have to show you upset yeah. or angry, you know, and they might not have, or they might not uh, display emotions the way that's believable. Um, and that was a challenge. But the biggest challenge that we had while working on the script was that uh, there are different voices in the trans community. And uh, to make sure that the script reflect those, all those voices was a challenge mm -hmm. for us. You know? And um, um, yes, I think uh, writing the script and uh, working with... Uh, trans actors and um, was 
perhaps, I mean, non-professional actors, you know, and uh, it could be also the not necessarily trans, but uh, if you are working with a human being who have never acted before, you know, you don't know what to expect, you know, it's just like a jump in the dark, Absolutely. you know, and it has nothing to do with being trans or gay, it's just like, uh, it's a human. it has to do with uh, being human, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you, either have, you, either, you either have that skill or not, because sometimes, you know, you're going to, when you see the film, The Guard Left Behind, you're gonna see that the acting is amazing, it's incredible. And uh, the same way I feel that uh, when I see Roma, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, the acting is incredible, and that actress in Roma, in the film Roma, mm -hmm. and uh, she acted for the first time, you know. But, uh, but there are people out there, you know, and um, who it's natural to them, for them to act, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. they can do that so easily, you know, and. Uh, and they're not professionals. The same way that there are prof actors out there who have been done doing it for a long time, they are really bad actors. <laughs> so no, no, yeah, <laughs> and um, so um, yeah, you either whether have it or not. No, and uh, well, what were some of the things and tools you used in your arsenal to? Was there a particular day on set that was really challenging that you can tell us about that you 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 were able to draw something out of your actors? I think uh, uh, um, sometimes you you have to the fact that people wanna, they work with me for the first day is a little bit intimidating. Day because one, day one for every, for each actor, for you know? each person, each person because they come to work with me and then they are afraid not to deliver uh, or not to no. Um, or be criticized, or hmm. you know, um, what if the director doesn't like my acting, or you know? And then, um, so it happened maybe a few times while I was shooting uh, The Garden Left Behind. And um, so it's about, uh, it's all about bringing them to the side and uh, have a conversation, walking with them for five minutes and um, it was a good way to make them more comfortable mm. as opposed to bringing them, you know, throw them in the, on the set, you know, okay, camera is rolling, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. read your lines, you know, and uh, now action, you know, and uh, they might not, that might be too intimidating for them. But if you do have that conversation with them, some of them I had to do it, um, for a few minutes and take a walk, you know, and then makes them more comfortable with uh, the entire with, process. And with you? And with me, yeah. And um, yeah, because I think uh, they are too worried about uh, not everyone. Some of them was so natural. No? Mm -hmm. For some of them, was, uh, they were very concerned about uh, um, this is their first opportunity. You know, They can change their lives. You know, and uh, they are afraid that they might not... Uh, um, be you no know, meet my expectations. You know, what if I don't meet his expectation? He might, uh, you know, get rid of me. You know, or cut my lines or whatever. So it's but um, it's about making sure they know you're in it together. Yeah, it's uh, if you feel then if he, they feel comfortable with you, work with you, that you make this awesome thing together, mm -hmm. and. Um, and uh, they are 
now yeah that's that's that that became they became um, they became more comfortable but also we talked a lot uh, a lot on why we are doing the auditions and that helped too you know absolutely and um uh, i well, think auditions can be intimidating anyways but if you can have a conversation yeah, if you have a conversation, uh, and before that, we met a couple of times. Uh, each one of them, I met a couple of them, and sometimes in group. To also make sure that they're not only comfortable with me, but are comfortable with other, the, the other cast members. You know, mm -hmm. and, uh, so it was, uh, again, I always call it a process. You know? Definitely. It doesn't happen you know, is, you know, like inst instantaneously. You know? it, it's little by little. You know, and, uh, mm -hmm. and, um, so I'm I'm so happy when I see the film, and um, people have no idea what we had to go through to shoot a film like that. Not not in terms of uh, uh, getting the story together or getting the money together or getting our cast and our crew. Everyone, every, all those things have like a, it's like a domino, you know. In order for something like that, you know, to happen, all those dominoes have to fall properly into place, mm -hmm. and. Um, and sometimes uh, unexpected things happen, but they don't know still have to fall into place, you know, so that a film like that um, can come to life, you know? What were some ops? I have two questions. Uh, what were some obstacles that did come up that you had to then maneuver? And then were there any, having uh, authentic and trans actors on set, was there any way that they helped shape the story that then you had to go and change and kind of redirect a little bit. Oh yeah, because um, sometimes, but this happens to every film when you're on set, mm -hmm. and then um, one thing is the script was, but once we read those lines on set, it might not sound the way you thought it would sound, mm -hmm. you know? And then you have to make quick adjustments. But also sometimes, um, out of nowhere, unknown, and, uh, because ask them to be natural, because it's about being natural. Okay, play yourself, be yourself, and uh, maybe, you uh, know, she's gonna for, you know, forget her line, and then uh, she's gonna say something completely different. Then you have to respond to that, that in a way that makes sense, mm -hmm. and that I might actually like it better than what we had in, in initially had in the script, mm -hmm. and then, uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then it become like, okay, let's make that quick change in the script so that. Uh, when you do it again, you know, and uh, it's on the script, you know, um, yeah, it, uh, it was, uh, yeah, that's how we got it. Uh, um, again, it's, I want the dialogue to be natural and, uh, and uh, let them be in charge of the conversation and improvise if, the, if, if needed, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we, we did it, you know. And uh, again, lots of improvisations, you know, in this film, throughout the film. But as long as I believe in the story, mm -hmm. as long as, okay, it's still with the story that we want to tell. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with it. That's good. No? Yeah. yeah. So what were some of the obstacles that came up during shooting? Uh, and how, how long did you guys shoot for? Uh, we shot for about uh, 20 days. Then we had another five days of reshoot. Okay. No? So total, I would say, around 25 days, no? Mm -hmm. We lost track. At some <laughs> point, we, we always sure. do, you know? And uh, um, 
we the biggest there are so many challenges in shooting a film like that and um and uh, but I would say there is one funny you know uh incident that happened to us um Ed Asner, our big star, mm-hmm. he came from LA, and now he's 88. He came to play Dr. Cleary. He's um, the, the man supposed to be to help Tina going through the transition. He's the doctor, you know, and uh, so he came from LA, and then um, he called me, and uh, the night before, you know, and then I went to the, his hotel in uh, Manhattan just to like give me the welcome you know, and, uh, and then when I went there um, I got into his room I saw him I was like wow uh, this man had a huge black eye oh no huge in his face then I was like uh, uh, what happened you know to you and he's like oh I, I felt um, oh no few days ago and uh, but I'm okay now seeing um, okay but uh, my mind was like uh, what can I do now to introduce it to the story because I that would get in the way you know people would be seeing that you now like uh, what are we gonna do now and then uh, and then he said like well bring your makeup and then uh, and she can do a mask in my face you know and uh, and then I was like, uh, okay, but uh, again, in my mind was like, uh, I have a student, uh, uh, no student, but uh, my makeup just left the school, you know, and I just got out of the school, you know, uh, makeup, you know, makeup school. And then uh, does she know how to do it? You know? mm-hmm. My mind was like, uh, I don't think she can do it, you know. And then, um, so, and uh, he came the next day and then, um, and then, um, my makeup person, I know, she's incredible. I know, although she didn't have much experience doing it, she, you know, spoke to a couple of people. Um, she was able to, you know, create that mask in his face, and then uh, no one can notice it. That's great. But it took like an hour and a half. Yeah, it took a long time. You know, in the film business, one hour and a half, it's a lot. Mm. No, mm-hmm. by the time we started, it was was a right time for lunch. And that screwed a little bit our schedule. But uh, we got it done, and it looks beautiful, and uh, no one can notice it in the film. Mm-hmm. Unless if I tell you. Then you're going to be looking <laughs> now like... Now we know. A, I know. Well, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, when filming was done, um, how long did it take for an edit to come together? And, uh, and what were some of the unique challenges that you faced? Well, once the film was shot, it was done... And then we have to go back to the fundraising and get more money because all the money was gone mm-hmm. now in, with the production. So we didn't have money to finish post-production. Then, I think uh, that's, that's a common thing that yeah, happens. This is the, yeah, that's always the case mm-hmm. with uh, most independent films. And uh, the money was gone. And then, uh, but uh, on the other hand, when I looked at the footage, I was like, uh, guys... We have something here. This mm-hmm. film looks incredible. Mm-hmm. This is going to be awesome. And uh, it helped us to go uh, to investors <clears throat> and uh, get the money that we needed. And also grants as well. That's great. You know? Then we got a huge blessing from Jerome Foundation who gave us a big money that uh, I was like, ah, that's all we need. That money is going to allow us to finish post-production. That's great. And, uh, and I got this film to the finishing line. 
and, but it took about uh, two years to finish it. Wow. Because fundraisers, uh, fundraising, especially when you apply for grants, doesn't come quickly. No, no definitely and it, it, it takes a long time, you know. And um, so it took about uh, seven to eight months to get the money. Then we also got, it, we got into IFP Lab. Yeah. Uh, in New York, IFP Lab, and um, also they bring a bunch of uh, editors, a bunch of people who helped us with uh, feedback, and uh, so we had the money, then we had the feedback from everyone, then uh, we got a new editor, because sometimes like a... Uh, Fresh pair need of eyes. A, yeah, yeah, you need someone, f- Definitely. you know, yeah, with, uh, have different, uh, you know, bring different things to the table, you know, different ideas, you know, and uh, now, yes, then... Uh, um, then we start submitting to festivals, and uh, yeah, and then we got into South by Southwest. Yeah, so I want to hear about South by Southwest. How I know you you got back, um, obviously, and uh, congratulations, you guys won the audience award there. Yes. How tell me about the process of it? Did you find a publicist? Did they get you in? Did they? How, how did all that happen? We actually. Um, Year after we start our our post production, we start submitting the film before we got the big grant from Jerome Foundation. Mm-hmm. We start submitting the film to various uh, festivals, and uh, we got rejected by South by mm-hmm. South by Southwest, and then uh, we got rejected, and then uh, and then we got rejected by every other major festival. But after we met with Jerome Foundation. They asked us, like, uh, how can we guys, How can we help you guys? And they were like, oh, we need money to finish the film. Because if you, if you get uh, money, we can get this film to the, you know, to the next level. And, uh, sound and, mix. Yeah, sound color mixing. Yeah. You know, call mm-hmm. a new editor. You know, reshoot some new scenes. Because we did, we did reshoot some new scenes. Yeah. So after they gave the money to us, then we again we start a new phase of post production with uh, shooting new scenes, new editor, sound design, and color correction. And then yes, took us to the next level. Then when we applied to South, South by, and we told them, listen, I know that you reject the film. I know that's your policy not to you know uh, look uh, 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 film twice, but. Uh, this film has changed so much. We pretty much have a new film here, mm. with new scenes, everything that comes with it. You know, with the, you know that big money helped us a big time, and then, and then, uh, and they said like, okay, send us the link, and then uh, we send them a view me link, and they watched the film a bunch of times, about uh, I don't know, fifteen times. Then we knew. They are watching the film so many times. And also, at the same time, Sentence was watching the film a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we knew that, um, okay, we, have a, we really have a good film here because usually when they don't like the film, they just watch like even the 10, ten, ten minutes, minutes. Just, yeah. you know, move on. And they not only watch the whole film, but they watch a bunch of times, mm-hmm. you know? And then we knew like, okay, we are, we are in a good spot here. Um, it's a matter of time that we're going to get that call, either from Sundance or South by Southwest mm-hmm. or Berlin. One of them is going to invite us because all of them were very excited about the new version of the film. Then when you got a uh, call from South by, and then we locked them. Then like, okay, that's it. Now we go to South by. That's and, great. Uh, but it never crossed my mind that uh, 
we would uh, win South by Southwest. Mm -hmm. That was like a didn't cross my mind because just by getting South by Southwest was a huge validation. It was so important. Was you know it's so difficult to get into a festival that gets over ten thousand uh, submissions, and um, and then when you heard that they got the film, it it was not uh, for me. It was like a, no, it's not possible. Let's not dream it too high. Because getting an award with so many great films would be impossible. And then uh, I was actually packing to uh, fly back to New York. And then uh, when I got a call saying, like, uh, don't go because uh, we're going to screen your film again uh, tonight. I said, what do you mean? Yeah, you're going to screen again because you won the audience award. I'm like, what? <laughs> and that was everyone that uh, was, you know, my producers, Roy Woe and uh, John Flynn and um, uh, my screenwriter, John Rotondo. Everyone was like screaming so loud. You know, everyone was, was I, I cannot describe how happy we were at that day because we know how what it means to us, you know, and, uh, um, what it would, uh, how we, much it, it would uh, help the film and uh, the cause, you know, and uh, yeah, this was, you know, was a good day. Great. So, so what's um, next? What, now that the film has premiered, now that it won this uh, award, um, is it continuing its festival run? And, um, and uh, where can we look to see it? Well, the film is still traveling everywhere. And our hope is that uh, this film will be playing over 150 film festivals because that's what we do. We are very good uh, in um, submitting and you know, and playing you know festivals. You know, we submit to to almost every festival on the planet. You know, and uh, we hope the film would be playing at as many festivals as possible because mm -hmm. uh, that's we are. It's it's all about taking a message to you know different communities you know to every corner every living room in this country you know all over the world I think everyone should see this film. Um, so our first goal is again to submit to as many festivals as possible, but also to find uh, a home for the film, find a distributor for the film, mm -hmm. and uh, which might change a little bit the plans because they might say I don't want this film to be playing at any other festival it goes straight to uh, VOD you know right. Netflix or iTunes or Amazon and then uh, then we would need to we won't be able to to do it anymore at that point on but uh, 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 right now now we still now so many new festivals and and uh, uh, I just came back from um, Seattle. Um, we mm -hmm. screened the film at the Translations uh, Film Festival. Now I go to Bentonville in Arkansas um, tomorrow. Wow! And uh, so every <laughs> you have no time to move into your home. <laughs> no, I, I, yes, that's true. You know, and um, and so every weekend I'm I will be in different town for the next uh, three or four months. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, and um, but I love that experience. I love the experience of uh, not only showing the film at uh, prestigious uh, film festivals like South By or, or Cleveland, but also going to festivals, small town film festivals. I love going to festivals that, um, uh, although they don't have the traditional or they're not prestigious film festival, 
but uh, they brings um, um, the community that comes to watch the film was uh, so incredible, and they mm -hmm. feel real to me. You know, they're not filmmakers or anything. You know, so your film is being seen by you know the average audience. That uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's the audience that I'm targeting. Mm -hmm. That's the audience I want to um, change. Um, you know, because the film is all about changing hearts and minds, you know, and uh, so if the film goes, for example, Fargo Film Festival, it's a, it's a great place, you know, so I'm taking my message to Fargo and to that incredible community that's going to watch the film, and um, and then we will learn something about what it means to be a trans woman, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, all the day-to-day -day struggles and... Um, uh, specific needs and unknown uh, that they face as being members member of the trans community. You know? So for me to be able to play my films at Fargo, it's incredible. But also playing at the Asheville Film Festival to Anchorage in Alaska. You know? yeah. We go everywhere with the film. And again, we are taking our message to those communities and uh, you know, with the hope that uh, next time they meet a trans person, they will see them as a humans. Hmm? Absolutely. Well, um, what what's next for, for you as a filmmaker? I mean, I know this is the current project that you're taking everywhere and it's important to get this one out and give it its due attention, but are you working on, is there anything that's coming up next down the pipeline? There's always something that comes that. Uh, coming next you know and uh, <laughs> at this point we don't know because we have i have so many other stories i would like to tell of course but uh, we don't know which one will be uh we will jump to the front of the line mm -hmm. now if you ask me today i would say bonita is my next script my next you no know, it's about a older elderly woman who falls in love with a young man who who lives in brazil and uh, she goes to Brazil, and uh, she meets this young man who shows her life, you know, you know and uh, her life changes completely, you know, when she comes back to the U.S. So it's a story that I want to tell because there are very little we know. Um, there are a lot of stories out there about the older man who finds a young you know, woman, but a very little mm -hmm. about uh, reversing know, that. The, yeah, the older woman who actually finds uh, love and uh, and. Uh, you know, with a younger, you know, younger man, you know, and um, so I, I want to uh, to tell, I want to be the one who's going to tell that story, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't know, but it could be something else, you know, that I can't see at this point, um, but as a storyteller, I'm open to different things, you know, uh, another big news is that I can't tell you the name, but I was just hired to direct a TV show, a big TV show cool. in New York City. So I don't want to say anything now because sure, you don't have no, to. I can't. But um, <laughs> it's I'll be shooting the uh, this TV show in in July, and um, and um, so I was just hired by you now to do it. So I'm excited about this uh, opportunity you now, and uh, and there are many other. Uh, um, opportunities out there that I'm still exploring, you know, and uh, I'm still thinking, considering, you know, and uh, I don't know, it's just uh, it, so many things can happen when you're in, in this position, and uh, especially with this film, The Garden Left Behind, I believe it's going to open so many doors to my career, but also all the people involved, mm -hmm. my producers, my in incredible crew and a cast. Um, 
uh, I'm very happy for them, and I know that some of them have been getting calls, and you know, uh, doing so many other things because of the work they did for this film, mm -hmm. and uh, I. I'm happy for them. I'm. I'm. Uh, that's why we make uh, uh, we make uh, films because we are storytellers, you know, and uh, that means a lot to us. One, uh, um, because of the work we do, it's we are recognized, and uh, and uh, and that work open all the doors to our to further our careers, you know, and um, you know, yeah, and also my trans. Um, a cast, you know, Tamara is uh, just did a, an episode of Pose. Kristen also did uh, work for HBO and the Pose as well. So and they are doing great things, you know. And um, um, now we are we have just been invited to the major LGBTQ festivals, which is Frameline and Outfest mm -hmm. and the Inside Out in Toronto. And uh, those festivals are very important because those are the places where. Distributors looking for LGBTQ contents would go to buy contents, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, um, so we hope that uh, we will uh, uh, that this film would help uh, uh, my crew and cast to um, find their other gigs and uh, uh, to be discovered, and that's my goal. That's great. Well, I just have one more question. Yes. Um, if you had a piece of advice to give younger filmmakers um, or up-and-coming indie filmmakers, what would what would it be? Don't become a filmmaker. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Okay. There is nothing to do with the fearing competition or anything. But uh, I say that because I really mean it. Unless if you have this passion underneath that I can see. You know, but I see a lot of people come to me with that question: What kind of advice would you would give it to me? You know, and um, filmmaking is beautiful, and uh, it's everything um, is everything to me. But uh, and many, many sometimes I feel that uh, that also it's a brutal process. Hmm. Now, and uh, I don't have a life outside filmmaking. And that's very sad. I say that, and I really mean it. I work 15, 16 hours a day, every day. That is my birthday, Christmas, New Year's Eve. You pick a day, I'm working. Mm -hmm. No? So my social life is to my crew and my cast, the people that surround me while making my films. It's just like a, a drug that uh, you insert in your vein, and then every time you do it, you go through this holocaustor for you know like a, it's you know trip of uh, go ups and downs. I cry, I laugh, you know, and uh, it's so brutal. And then uh, and then after that, I like uh, I say to myself, this is the last film I'm gonna make. Hmm. But then I need that drug again, my yeah. Thing. Then I come back to do another film. And I come, and then I'm, and uh, again, and um, I have friends uh, who have real jobs, you know. And then um, I say that not uh, uh, I consider filmmaking a job, but it's just like uh, of course uh, I say that in a way that uh, it's 
you know, the nine to five type of jobs that uh, then you go to a family, go to a home, you know, socialize, go to, you know, see a movie, you know, not a movie, but I do something that's <laughs> outside the, <laughs> have a life. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I work 15 hours a day. Goodness. No. And then um, if they, if they had like a rehab for filmmaking, I, maybe I would apply for it. <laughs> Because it is, sometimes I'm like, I need to have uh, a life. Sure. I work so hard in, when I to get a script together, put a story together. Then I work so hard in fundraising. Then I get so hard in getting my crew in a cast. Mm. Then I go in production, which, you know, which is you no know, horrendous process. You know? Then I finish it, then I go to, you know, to post-production and the fundraising again because you need more money to finish the film. Then uh, you have to fight, you have to sell your film, you have to bring the crowd to the theater. You mm. know? It never ends. You have to beg the press to write about your film. And uh, I have uh, tons of things that I have to do right now besides speaking with you because mm. I think it's part of the process of making a film. And then I have to you know, uh, write grants. Uh, you know, today I have to, I have production meeting uh, tonight. You know, and then I have uh, uh, to do the behind the scenes for tomorrow, as I mentioned to you before. Mm -hmm. So uh, it never ends. It's just like a, w one thing after another. And then uh, I ask myself, like, uh, why am I getting out of it? Yes, that's true. That I I feel very grateful uh, to have this film play different places and I see, you know, um, people telling me how much they love the story, you know, and they found, uh, when they say like, uh, they found something relatable in my characters and, uh, and um, this is so amazing, but, uh, but that's it, that is, I don't have a life. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a partner, I have to say goodbye to your relationship because it's not gonna last. Mm. Because, you know, who would want to date me that work 15 hours a day? No, who never have time to, you know, really rest and take time to do other things because there are so many things to do and my, my success depends on my ability to go the extra mile. Mm -hmm. And when I say extra mile, I really mean it. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if... Um, I think that is good advice. If you're not willing to... If you're not willing to go through it, don't start it. Because I went to three film schools, as I mentioned to you. Nobody is actually... I don't see anyone actually doing anything. Interesting. Because this is a very difficult career that, you know, that you have to bring a lot of skills to the table. Mm -hmm. And if you are younger, you don't have... Most of them don't have those, those skills. And I'm grateful. The only reason why I survived in this business is because I came much older, which brought a lot of other experiences on board, especially fundraising. Um, that helped me a lot. But I still have to work the long hours. Absolutely. I still have to every day. You have to every put the work day, in. To, you know, and uh, I have... As I mentioned before, 240,000 followers on all my social media pages. And then I have to, every day, have to put one hour you know, to um, respond to some of those messages, connecting mm -hmm. with them, you know, um, accept friendships, you know, and uh, networking with them. And then uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if. Um, um, 
anyone who wants to uh, have a normal life would uh, do it. Now, unless again, if you are addicted to that, just like drugs that you need that in your vein, you know, mm-hmm. that the only thing that actually uh, you know, help you to go for, move forward with your life is just by doing more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And if they had 50 hours, I would probably put another 40 hours <laughs> in a day, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, basically, once I finish, I finish my day, it's the time to go to bed. And then with tons of things that I, I already know I have to do the next day and the next day and the next day. And again, there is no Sunday or holiday, anything. Right. Every day is, you know, is, is a day that I know I have to work. <laughs> no? Now, that's, that's my advice. Like, uh, if, you, if it's just not your passion, if it's not something that you are dying to do, and mm-hmm. uh, if that's not well, something, no? Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and he said, you know, I was told that the, the word passion used to mean suffering. <laughs> Which is interesting when you think about it, because it mm-hmm. it has a different connotation now. But I can still read into that a little bit. Like, yeah, like we do kind of have to suffer a little bit for this. I I suffer a lot by you no know, making a film um, like that. You know, and uh, I um, when you have to raise four hundred thousand dollars now. To make a film that you come from zero and uh, you have to do all the things that you have to do to make sure that uh, that money will be in a bank one uh, at the time you shoot your film mm-hmm. and um, yeah but I'm happy with uh, everything uh, I think I would do that again but uh, again I'm addicted to that so of course no I know so that's uh, I need that in my vein. <laughs> well, thank you for taking uh, an hour and a half of your time to to, to chat with us. Your your working time. Um, where can people find you on your social media? Where where can they follow you? They can go to my Facebook page, Flavio Alves. Um, you can type Flavio Alves and become my friends on Facebook. But right. also, you can go online, flavioalves.com, mm-hmm. and uh, can learn about my films and. Uh, you can also go to the page for the film, thegardenleftbehind.com, and um, and um, so you can f- you know see where the film is gonna play, where the film is gonna play next, you know, and the next year to you, you know, and uh, and uh, come on and watch the film. Perfect. Thank you, Flavio. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thank you. Hey guys, just want to remind you that not only can you find the Full Frame Podcast on HMD's website, www.hmdfilms.com, but you can find us on Facebook, and most importantly, you can find us on iTunes, where we would really like if you could leave a review and subscribe. Thanks. Have a great week.